There is a story about an elderly gentleman who lived in a retirement community. Every Saturday night, he would have one of his children go to the store and buy just one lottery ticket in the big game drawing that took place every week in his state. His children, whichever one had the job that week, would hold the ticket until the winning numbers were announced, and then they would call their father at the retirement home in the morning the next day, and they would say, well, Daddy, um, you didn't win the lottery uh, this week, Um, maybe next time. This happened for a long time. Then the next week came, and lo and behold, the elderly man's ticket, bought by one of his children, had the winning numbers. The children were elated. They couldn't believe it after all this time. But then, then they began to worry how to tell their dad. His heart had grown weak. He was frail. They were sincerely afraid that if they told their dad that he would, had won the lottery, he might have a heart attack. So the children decided to enlist the services of their pastor. <laughs> their pastor had known the family for a long time, and he was known Sunday after Sunday for his calming presence on people. Maybe he could break the news to their dad in a way that would be helpful. So they went to the preacher and they said, Preacher, we need you to help us. We need you. We need you to tell daddy because we know you can tell him just right and tell him in a way that keeps him calm. The preacher was honored to have been asked, but frankly, the preacher started worrying. What if he said it in a way that was wrong. What if the man got so excited that he had a heart attack? So the preacher gave some thought to this and prayed about this and then gathered his courage and agreed and visited the man in the retirement community. They exchanged some small talk and then at the right time the preacher scooted his chair up close to the man in his wheelchair and the preacher took him by the hand and said in a very calm and most pastoral voice, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, if if somebody gave you a million dollars today, what would you do with it? And the old man, hardly missing a beat, said, why, son, I'd give half of it to the church. (laughs) And with that, the preacher had a heart attack. We talk about many things around here. We talk about controversial subjects and complex issues and try to navigate our way through them as faithful people. We think about who God is and what God's doing in our lives and we sort that out in this wonderful community. But when it comes to talking about money, real money, most of us get a bit nervous. And frankly, in certain settings... I might have a heart attack if I had heard what that preacher heard. Our first lesson today reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and the world and all that's in it. The earth is the Lord's, the world and all the world's people belong to God. 
Our second lesson today speaks more directly about money. Listen to the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, God scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorified God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that is given up for you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Here's how the message translates what I think is the key verse in this piece in 2 Corinthians. I want you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. That's the word of the Lord also. Thanks be to God. The idea is that God loves a cheerful giver. When the giver delights in giving, that's what God loves. I want us to think about that today. Ben has already invited us to think about that today. Our giving, our delight in giving, our call to be generous, faithful, maybe even reckless in our giving. Some of the best reading that I have done on this subject of giving and giving with delight and stewardship comes from the former pastor of this church. Several pastors ago, distinguished leader and theologian across the church, Al Wynn. Al Wynn urges four important principles in faithful giving. And I want to walk through those. First, regularity in our giving is very important. In another place in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes that on the first day of the week, each of you should put aside a portion of what you earn. This is a revolutionary and shocking idea in our day. We like to think of ourselves as generous people. When we see a need, most of us seek to respond. Even millennials, those in their 20s and 30s, are proving to be generous when faced with a crisis or a need. This is a commendable trait from all of us, generosity. Yet what Paul is urging in this passage from faithful Christians is something more and something different. We are not to be people who simply respond when we feel like it. We're not to be people who give only when the situation presents itself or a crisis. We are to give regularly 
week in and week out so that giving becomes a part, a part of who we are. Because the earth is the Lord's and all the people in it, what we have is not ours. We're to give regularly and generously. Now, this regular giving saves us from having to decide, should I give here, should I give here, or how much we are to give. We know we just give. It's like the old story about the former president of Duke University, President Few, who was walking to church one Sunday in the pouring rain. A a group of students saw him walking in the rain and recognized him, our president, and they stopped and offered him a ride, which which he accepted. When President Few got in the car, the students asked him, why he had decided to go to church on such a miserable day. And he replied, I did not decide to go to church this morning. I decided to go to church 50 years ago, and I've never had to decide again. It's part of what I do. Regular, faithful, generous giving is meant to be like that for faithful Christians. And when we give regularly to God's work through the church, especially a church like this one, we know that our giving is supporting God's plans and God's purposes to do God's important work in this city and as far as we can go. When we know that our giving is going to support God's work, we can give regularly with gratitude, knowing that it is in the service of God. And when we give regularly, And faithfully, it saves us from the self-deception about our level of giving. We're easily self-deceived when we simply respond as the need presents itself. If we only give sporadically and sometimes when the need is there or when it feels right, we're probably not giving as much as we think we're giving. Most of us need the regularity of it in order to become the kind of faithful, generous people that God wants us and needs us to be. A second principle is already something you've heard about today from Ben Dendi, and that's the principle of proportionality. We are to give a portion of what we have received. Al Wynn says it this way, when we give in proportion to what we have received, suddenly our giving becomes uh, not a transaction between you and the church treasurer. Our giving becomes a transaction between us and, and God when we do it proportionally. And it all comes from God in the first place. So the real question is not, what does the church need this year? The real question is not, what's the church doing this year? The real question is, what do I give in order to express the gratitude that I want to express for all that God has given me, God's boundless love and blessings? Or another question is, what proportion of my income do I give in order to be a cheerful giver? What proportion of my income do I give in order to really delight in the giving? Within Scripture, and especially in the Old Testament, there's the reference to the tithe, which Ben mentioned a moment ago. Ten percent is intended for God and for God's work. To tithe is to give ten percent of what we have received. This formula intends to remind us that it all comes from God. It's all God's anyway. It's significant enough to challenge us. It's significant enough, significant enough to keep us connected to God. And yet it's also 
not so much that it's going to paralyze us. It's doable, this calling to tithe. Many years ago, Ginger and I committed to this guideline. I've told you this before, tithing 10% to God's work. It was challenging at first, but then it became part of our lives. And you know what? It became one of the most joyful parts of our lives. We can delight in giving and serving God. There have been seasons when it felt a little uh, risky or uncertain. It challenged us, but that's part of the process. Our lives come from God. We're called to trust God. And life is about serving God. So we want to keep striving to trust God and keep serving God. According to several different studies that are out these days, the average gift for church members is not anywhere near 10% in general. It's more like 1.5% or 2% for church members, even the best church members. So giving 10% would be drastic and a difficult shift for many of us. Yet the tithe is a helpful goal and an attainable goal and a fruitful goal. And I hope all of us are moving in that direction if we're not there. It's what's faithful. It's what's countercultural. It can be so wonderful in helping us know the delight that God intends for us. It can be so powerful for showing the gratitude and the faithfulness that we want in response to God's bountiful blessings in our lives. By my calculations, if all of us in Richmond, if all of us here who live in Richmond receive the median income for Richmond, that's about $55,000. Most of us find ourselves far above that amount. If all of us here, say 350 of us, tithe on that median income by giving to the church and the church's budget, our budget would be almost $2 million, which is about twice what it is now. Imagine what we could do with faithful, regular giving like that in proportion. Imagine. A third principle in giving faithfully is one of priority. We're to give uh, regularly and we're to give in proportion and we're also to give as a priority. And Ben talked about he, how he and Stacy approached this. And I'm grateful for his comments. One of the great temptations facing all of us is always the tendency to take care of ourselves first. And then we'll give what's left over. But the Bible verses uh, stress just the opposite. We give a portion of our income first and then we tend to our other needs, and God will take care of us. Here's what today's passage really stresses. God will provide. God will multiply your seeds. You will be enriched by God in every way. And the generosity of your sharing will magnify God's grace everywhere. All of that is to say we can trust God. And our giving ought to be a priority. A priority. The great theologian of the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards, put it very succinctly. He said, one of the sincere tests of faith, one of the sincere tests of faithfulness for Christians is that the service of God is the main business of their lives. 
the service of God is the main business of all of our lives. Is the service of God the main business, the daily calling, the central and driving factor for each of our lives? We're all ministers. We're all seeking to be disciples and follow Jesus. This is our calling. This is our calling. Serve God. The problem with taking care of our own needs first, a great tendency for all of us, instead of serving God with all of our lives, is that our own needs have a way of expanding. Our own needs have a way of taking all of the available income. It doesn't matter if we earn $12,000 a year or $70,000 a year or $120,000 a year or more than that. There's the tendency to think that we never have quite enough to tend to our own needs. And so if we tend to our own needs first, there's not much left over for God's needs and God's service as we seek to live in gratitude and in faithful devotion. On the other hand, when God remains our priority and giving to God is our priority, then God is the main business of our lives. And then our lives have a certain shape and a certain flavor. And we follow Jesus. If you want to know someone's priorities, you've heard it, check out their checkbook. If you want to know a certain person's priorities, look where their feet take them. So you can look at their shoes, maybe. If you want to know a certain person's priority, look at their calendar. And that'll show you their priorities. How we spend our days, how we spend our money, show our priorities. We're called to make God, make God a commitment in our lives, a priority. A final principle of giving and tithing faithfully is the principle of risk. Risk. In some ways, this is simply an outgrowth of the other three. We give regularly. We give in proportion. We give as a priority. There's a certain amount of risk involved in all of that. For some of us, it's a challenge to make ends meet, even on 100% of our income. So to give 1.5% or 2% or 4% or 7% or 10% away that's risky, or it feels risky. So this kind of faithful living then forces us to indeed trust God. Trust God. We do not know how things will turn out. We have to trust God. Trusting God is the great gift and the great challenge of faith. It may be the best indication of our faith. Can we trust God? I love the way theologian and scientist uh, and Presbyterian Holmes Ralston puts it. Holmes Ralston was in town last week uh, talking and speaking. He says this, Life is a pathway on which there can be no knowing without going. To know the presence of God, one must embody that presence in one's own life. To put the point boldly, one must live on the cutting edge of spirituality. What we learn from the Greeks is that the unexamined life is not worth living. What we learn from the Hebrews is that the uncommitted life is not worth living either. We must do the truth. We must live in the eye of the storm. 
every day. It's a risk to trust God. And yet this is the wonderful, joyful calling of faith. As Ben pointed out in his comments, what we do here at Second, we worship, we serve, we seek to be a light in this city, we build community, we seek to embody God's presence here on this street, on this corner, and as far as we can go. We seek to love and care for each other. We seek to love and care for the most needy, the homeless, the hurting, the addicted, those in prison those just getting out of prison. We seek to help children grow in faith and adults become faithful disciples and we seek to help one another on the journey of following Jesus. We seek to bring lots of light to the darkness of the world. This is all God's work, all of it. And it happens, it only happens as we give generously and regularly and in proportion and as a priority and Indeed, with some recklessness, risk. Risk that reminds us we trust God. There can be no going, no knowing without going. We trust God. And we can only do that as we go together, together in response to God's bountiful blessings and in gratitude for God's love. Friends, thank you. Thank you for your desire to be faithful. Thank you for all your devotion in all the ways you embody it. Thank you. Thank you for being on this journey. May God bless us all and fill us with such gratitude that we live with generosity and faith, serving God, glorifying God in all we do, today, tomorrow, forever. May God show us the way. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God. Help our unbelief. And guide us to generosity and love and life following Jesus Christ. Amen.